Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for PP Awards. I am your host with the most, Ricky. With me, as always, is Ben. Tonight, co-presenters, we have Jamie and Alex. So, with that, are you guys ready for an award show? I'm as ready as I ever can be. Let's give a round of applause. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. You know, uh, uh, didn't sound ready enough. So, again, <laughs> are you guys ready for an award show? Yeah. yeah. Let's go. I, I didn't know if I needed to be proper or if I was to be, get excited. You, you fixed that for me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, seriously, oh. yeah, definitely hype. Because that's the kind of stuff we do here at the Social Sports Fed Podcast. You know, this is our, it's a special episode tonight. Uh, you know, we're definitely celebrating oh, our first Twitch live cast uh, Tuesday. Uh, we are going to be doing those two, every Tuesday at 7 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we will be open at 6.30 to do some Q and A, where you can come in and let you know, ask myself, Ben, Cobra, and Tyler, ask us questions about the podcast, what we think of different things in football, or even you know about us, just to get you know, get allow us to get to know you know our fans. Uh, you guys are, um, you know. With the uh, live cast, we won't have as many guests, so we're gonna we're changing the format of our secondary podcast show, uh, where it's gonna be more guest host based. You probably won't hear a lot of Cobra. You may even not have me or Ben at some point uh, with these. Uh, Tyler, you know, won't be here as well. With we'll to make sure that we have more room for wonderful friends like Alex and Jamie and any of the other ones that we've had over the course of the past, you know, almost two years now with the Social Sports Fat Podcast. So uh, how uh, how have you guys been uh, this week, Alex and Jamie? Doing good. All right, that's good. No, that's doing, good. doing very well. And I just want to say thank you to anyone who is listening that actually tuned in on Tuesday for the inaugural uh, Twitch podcast. Yeah, not going to lie. It was absolutely fun. It was very uh, you know, we had a whole bunch of people in, um, and as you know, especially like in the beginning when we were taking care of like technical work, uh, you know, because Twitch, you know, right now they have that stream together, uh, you know, uh, part where you can collaborate with other streamers, and that was our first time using that, and. You know, we definitely learned a lot, uh, not only about the podcast, uh, we also learned a lot, like, about doing Twitch streaming. Because ultimately, our goal is, you know, to not have day jobs, you know, and basically be doing this uh, full-time uh, content creator, you know, stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, I definitely know that uh, to be able to be more entertaining and do more for you, the listeners. Uh, what about you, Ben? Uh, you know, is, is that your goal, uh, as well, or do you just, you know, that's, that's been my goal, um, for a while now since I started the uh, social sport or social, uh, well, the social brand, I would say, because you know, I have the gaming brand and I have the we have the uh, sports podcast now brand as well. So, I mean, that's been my goal since I created the brand. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely nice that we've been able to get things off the ground and uh, moving into that next step. And uh, definitely it is not, um, you know, it's not us alone. Uh, we definitely would not have been able to get here without uh, without the help of, you know, like people like Tyler and Cobra who are there pretty much every time now. Um, you know, and then Alex and Jamie and like other guys that we had, like, you know, Tim and Kevin and, you know, and, you know, just everybody, uh, we cannot do this without you. And we appreciate you greatly. Um, on that note, before we get into the wonderful awards, uh, uh, for the six 
categories that we have. Uh, we will also by the end of the season have a lot more categories. Uh, so it'll be you know purely an award show next time. Uh, this time around, you know, because with the inaugural podcast, what we did where usually on Saturdays was we would do our bold prediction show, uh, you know, brought to you by the wonderful people in Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, so uh, because Jamie and Alex haven't given their predictions yet, um, we're going to kind of give them the floor. Uh, we'll go, uh, I think we determined Alex first and Jamie. And basically what they are going to do is they're not going to rattle off like every game uh you know this week they're going to give us five games where they definitely think the potential for an upset is there or games that uh vegas kind of thinks a little bit too close and they way they're gonna be and then they're gonna give us a bold prediction uh, brought to you by bulletproof coffee uh before we go in and into the award show so uh alex go ahead and take it away give us uh give me five. First game up i got bills the favorite by seven points against the jets at home josh allen's been struggling to throw the ball recently the offense seems to struggle to produce. And the Jets have been kind of getting better. They've improved a lot recently. Zach Wilson getting his ground running. And I think they're overlooking the Jets a little bit. So I think the Jets are looking beyond upset a little over the Bills to win on the road in a struggling Buffalo team, but a loud stadium high mark. Could be a struggle with Zach Wilson, but I think the Jets can get it done on the road. And if Josh Allen struggles even more than... It could be five and six and looking to uh, be on the couch with the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a good one there. Um, the Bills have been struggling. Uh, Josh Allen has not been producing uh, W's anyway. Uh, some very uh, some very bad luck going on uh, with Buffalo. Almost like they're cursed uh, by... Um, by a certain video game cover, but you know, um, the Jets uh, also might be doing it without uh, Garrett Wilson uh, this week. So, uh, hey, yeah, definitely a uh, good one there. I'm glad you reminded me there. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, your game number two. The Denver Broncos are going at home minus three against a very powerful Vikings offense with Josh Dobbs ripping. And shredding through off defenses the past two weeks, coming off of a trade deadline that he didn't know anybody he had to do Kansas calls on the sideline at the center to get comfortable. Denver has looked better. They upset Buffalo on a fluked and disrespectful 12-man call on the Bills, and knowing how to play special teams properly, and they won on prime time with Russell Wilson throwing the ball well, and Josh Dobbs can. Get going. This could be a shootout that could end Denver possibly getting the upset. But I think if Wes Wilson can get going, this is a shootout and possibly game of the week for Sunday Night Football on primetime television that we never overlooked until right now where both teams have mediocre struggling quarterbacks with offenses that are getting going. The defenses that seem to be struggling in the red zone and you know, stopping big plays in big territories. And if Denver plays well, they can easily get the the upset, even though they all favored it. But I think it's going to be a shootout, and Denver might come on top if Russell Wilson can play well. I mean, yeah, definitely could. Uh, the Minnesota offense right now is just firing – uh, firing way better than, you know, anybody, like, expects uh, with the injuries they had. Um, you know, uh, Jordan Addison, he's uh, filled in as a, you know, a wide receiver one um, admirably in the absence of Justin Jefferson. Uh, Josh Dobbs literally coming off of the bus uh you know getting thrust into that game against atlanta uh you know and causing the uh well i was gonna say upset but no uh, getting that comeback and then you know just wrecking things last week 
Um, so you definitely see uh, that disrespect uh, given to them by being uh, being the dogs against Denver. Yeah, I mean, and kudos to Denver for turning things around. This is not the team that Miami put 70 up on. Number three. We got an NFC West battle going to SoFi Stadium in, Los- in Englewood, California with the Rams being favored by two against the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams seem to have not been doing well on offense. They've been struggling to pass what we used to put big points on the board. They lost a very kind of one-sided affair against Green Bay last week. The defense has been struggling a lot recently. Juno Smith has been playing pretty well with DK Metcalf and uh, Kenneth Walker and the Seahawks. And I think this game is being kind of mashed over by how good the Rams' offense is with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. And Miles Seven actually playing well enough that I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to go into SoFi and shut them down on defense. They have had a dominant defense the past couple of weeks. If Geno Smith plays well, this band is going to be ripped off really fast, and it's not going to look good for LA. Knowing what's at stake in the West is trying to get to San Fran as San Fran continues to struggle to really put the nail in the coffin for the NFC West. And at the, at the um, midseason mark, as we're closing the end of the season, where playoffs are inevitable and high, especially for these division games. I, I mean, uh, a couple things definitely to be of note. Um, the Rams were on a bye last week. Uh, so, you know, basically, uh, you're like the uh, played the oh, Packers last week. Yeah, you're, you're good, man. You know, <laughs> but yeah, the last time we did see the Rams, uh, they basically were unable to get the ball, uh, ball moving uh, with uh, Brett Rippon uh, as the quarterback. Uh, Matt Stafford, you know, apparently seems on schedule to play and come back from injury. Uh, it is, I think it was a thumb injury. Um, you know, otherwise uh, we might see Carson Wentz, um, which not going to lie, is, you know, an upgrade a little bit over uh, Brett Rippon. Um but, you know, the the Rams definitely, you know, covered an injury uh, on the offensive side has definitely been a struggle. And you know, this is definitely a game that is being overlooked uh, because the Seahawks have been, uh, they have been very lousy the past few uh, contests. Uh, in- uh, I mean, they barely eked out a victory over the Commanders. Uh, and then, you know, the week before, Baltimore just basically made them their bitch, you know, clapped their cheeks, literally. Um, you know, so, yeah, yeah definitely a, a good idea there. Game. Call me crazy about having Jacksonville six and a half point favorites against Will Levis and the Titans offense. Will Levis has looked... Great so far as the rookie quarterback, which is weird, especially with Manny's and Coffee. And the Jaguars have struggled recently with Trevor Lawrence, not been able to get the ground running with the offense. They have really struggled to produce points and they have looked very suspicious. And I think the Titans are being very underrated going into this game on the road in Jacksonville, being six and a half point dogs. And I think that the Titans, that they have a good offense, they will have his balls out like he did you know, the past. Week or two, and Derrick Henry exposes the awfulness of that D, that D line. Then I see the Titans getting the upset on the road. If Will Levis can actually throw the ball well and produce big numbers, I, I mean, most definitely. Uh, like I like uh, I like this contest. I mean, it is around this time uh, a few years ago uh, in Duval. Henry. Uh, got his crown. Uh, it was definitely the return of the king. Uh, that Thursday night game in Duval, where he rattled off that 99 yard touchdown, uh, that you know basically brought him back to the forefront. Uh, yeah, well, that is, you know, definitely he had that great game against Atlanta. Uh, he had some struggles against the Steelers, and he was just like, he. Uh, last week, uh, you know, he, you know, he's a rookie quarterback, so he's going to get them bumps, you know, just like everybody else. But, you know, hey, uh, if uh, Will Levis is able to kind of, 
you know, get more acclimated into that role. You know, I definitely see some good things for the Titans. Uh, see bye-bye to Ryan Tannehill. And then finally, give me that number five, all right? Uh, what you got? Now the Chargers being three-point favorites entering one of the toughest games to play in in Lambeau facing Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. And like I mentioned before, the Packers did pretty well against the Rams when they played them, and they seemed to look good last week. And the Chargers have been up and down all year. Justin Herbert's been struggling to move the ball. Keenan Allen's been on and off the field with injuries. And the running game of Austin Eckler hasn't looked pretty good. Has not looked that good recently at all. And this is going to be a very tough game. It should be a big shootout in Lambeau. I think the Packers can get it done. They can do what they did against the Rams and sort of find themselves as a dominant defensive team. I think this is game over for Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert in that backfield. So giving the Packers to upset at home, being three-point dogs, and submitting themselves as not only a dominant defensive team, but hopefully a team that can actually show what the offense can do. Jordan Love not playing like we thought he was going to do when they drafted him and not giving Rodgers weapons back in 2019. I mean, uh, you know, uh, this is definitely a game I definitely really much so differ from you on. Um, the Chargers are definitely, uh, in my opinion, going to just crush Green Bay. Uh, the Packers uh, offensively have just been offensive. Um, you know, they, you know, Jordan Love has put points on the board and moves the ball down the field um, quite a bit. Uh AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones have just not done uh, any any justice uh, for you know for the Packers. It's definitely a slow roll, and you know the Chargers on offense you know are just too good right now. Uh, Eckler has had three consistent games in a row uh, where he's definitely yeah. You know, he's definitely hit, uh, you know, 18 points. So I definitely see another big game from Eckler. Um, but yeah, very, you know, very nice, uh, you know, very nice list. Uh, now we go to Jamie with his list of five. So give me your, you know, give me your upset or, you know, whatever you got. What is your game to watch, Jamie? Well, first off, the energy is kind of down right now. This is supposed to be bold predictions and upsets, right? So we're going to kick it off, right? Uh, so the bad news bears are going to come into Detroit and make them wish that they were watching a Pistons game instead of the lions. Justin Fields is going to show why he is, uh, why he is the better, uh, quarterback. And he is going to take over the game with two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. That's nice and bold. That's nice and bold. Uh, I mean, yeah, Justin Fields is uh, is back, but you know, hey, the Lions have been nigh unstoppable uh, lately. The only game that they've really had any sort of like struggle this year was against the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, it just looks like the Baltimore Ravens just take and eat the NFC uh, for breakfast. Oh, they really uh, yeah. have. They really have, and I think uh, Sam Laporta is going to eat today. Is going to eat in that game as well. But Justin Fields is going to be the star of the uh, star of the show. Okay, you know, uh, you know, definitely hope so. Uh, the Bears definitely are, uh, you know, needing some offensive firepower. I mean, Bajent, uh, you know, he he played admirably, but you know, it's definitely a different kind of offense uh, with uh, Fields on the field. Uh, number two. Number two is the New York Giants are plus ten and a half to Washington. Uh, it's it's the Washington way. They, they they get games that they should always win, and for whatever reason they don't. But in this case, they will win. It's just not going to be in ten and a half. Is they're only going to win by three. Um, Devito's going to look like a breakout candidate. Uh, because Jack Del Rio just needs to get fired, but uh, Devito for 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 Devito breakout is only two touchdowns. He's going to get two touchdowns, but then Barkley is going to account for one of those touchdowns and get a rushing touchdown. So I see them losing twenty one twenty four to Washington. Okay. 
Very nice. I mean, uh, I definitely, like, I see what you're saying about with the commanders, you know, because, you know, that commander's defense has not been anything spectacular. Not trash. Uh, trash. You know, and as much as, you know, as much as there's some people like, yeah, Sam Howell's an excellent quarterback, Sam Howell's played a lot of games behind or in shootouts. Uh, so he's definitely gotten stats. He's a stat stuffer. Not a winner, it seems like, right now. And in this league, you definitely want somebody that's both. Uh, the Giants, though, uh, that offense is even more offensive than uh, Green Bay. Uh, like, seriously, that offense is way, is so suspect, it's on the FBI watch list right now. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you would definitely think with Brian Dable uh, coming off of being coach of the year uh, that, you know, there'd be something going on in that um, in that offense. But uh, no, no Darren Waller. No Daniel Jones, you know, basically no Saquon is, you know, Not, no, no Tyrod. Yeah, no Tyrod. You know, basically it's like there is, there's no, there's no spice, no life, no flavor, no pop, pop, pop. You know, seriously, nothing going it's on no in, the, in, in the Giants. Like, you know, it is, uh, you know, to reference the fifth element, it is. Corbin Dallas on the microphones, uh, you know, in that <laughs> offense. All right. Uh, what's your next game? Number three, we have the Dallas Cowboys teams, the Black Cats. They're not even good enough to be Panthers at this point. They're just little Black Cats. And uh, it's going to be another Dak Prescott show. But this time they're going to make it a focal point where uh, Tony Pollard, he's going to go. he's going to go for 102 tutties. Now that now that's bold because uh, you know definitely um, you know Tony Pollard is definitely somebody that I had as an honorable mention for our uh, award for disappointment of the uh, season right now he has definitely not been you know they gave him the reins but he has not taken those reins uh, as the lead back in Dallas for sure for sure and. They even made it a point uh, last week, like even though uh, the <laughs> offense completely exploded, uh, McCarthy and uh, Dak both came off saying that we need to get Pollard in the mix. Uh, they're they're trying to fine tune their team for postseason, and this would be the perfect game to do so because Carolina's rushing defense is hot doo doo. Yep, hot doo doo indeed. Number four, we have. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals upsetting the tennis, the the Texans. Kyler Murray, the, the whole the whole world is talking about C.J. Stroud, and rightfully so. He is a great young talent who is uh, peaking at the right time. But Kyler Murray is going to show him that he was one of the ones that revamped the whole mobile quarterback era, and he's going to teach C.J. Stroud how to close out games. Okay. All right, nice. Uh, the only thing I will say about that is uh, uh, either way, come up short. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing. Uh, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> So, yes. Uh, and then number five, go ahead. And number five, this was an easy layup because, baby, now we got some bad blood brewing in Kansas City. And i.e. Taylor Swift reference, can't can't do that without the Kansas City Chiefs, it seems like nowadays. But uh, we got bad blood. <laughs> but speaking of bad blood, this is a Super Bowl rematch. We can't go a week without talking about the Super Bowl rematch. <laughs> and Travis Kelsey is going to go on and face a top Eagles defense and he is going to have himself a day. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Eagles coming off a bye week in Arrowhead. It has never lost a game, and Travis Kelsey is a big part of that. He's going to have two touchdowns with about, I would say, about nine, eh, not 90, about 110 yards for Travis Kelsey. Kansas City wins by 10. Yeah, that's that's kind of bold. I, I mean, not going to lie, with the way that Kansas City offense has been all season, uh, that loss of Eric Biemi, uh, you know, just, yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, both of these offenses aren't as kind of, you know, as 
energized, is uh, vamped up. You know, it's almost like they definitely uh, could use some uh, W energy uh, in both of those offenses right now. I, yeah, Kansas City winning by 10 absolutely is a bold prediction. Um, well, I mean, you look at it. The When they talk about the Eagles defense, right, we're more talking about the front line. You cannot rush on those guys. So Isaiah Pacheco, he is not going to have a good game. They got to get points elsewhere. And even though they've signed some safeties and all that stuff, it's it's Andy Reid. He is a wizard at scheming <laughs> offenses, and this this defense has looked 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 kind of suspect in the secondary. And I think uh, the front line of uh, Kansas City can subdue the defensive line of the Eagles enough for Patrick Mahomes to work out some Patrick Mahomes magic. I mean, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm just saying Kansas City's not going to win by 10. Uh, if they even win at all, uh, I, I see the Eagles as a better team. Uh, and, you know, but Kansas City, like, uh, it's just, you know, it's, they have not really been the same type of team. Uh, Travis Kelsey's going to get his regardless, you know, because Travis Kelsey is just, you know, the best tight end in the history of the NFL, almost at this the point, best. in my opinion. Like, yeah, better than, I mean, you know, he's not I mean, people like, you know, like Gron- they'll say Gronk, they'll say Antonio Gates, they'll say Tony Gonzalez, but I definitely I'm say gonna... Travis Kelsey is, you know, definitely in that conversation, Mount Rushmore of uh, the tight end position. I'd say he's up there, but I don't think he's better than Gonzalez. Ah, I'm, I'm going to try him on me. Yeah, definitely. I, I see a lot more uh, with that. I mean, like Tony Gonzalez teams, who really did they have anyway? You know, it's just like, all right, you know, Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey was doing it with Tyree Kill. And then when, you know, they lost, you know, Tyree Kill, I mean, you know, you know, you would think, okay, they double team, triple team Kelsey, and he's still getting his, uh, getting his. So, um, one thing I will say, I will definitely get kudos on both of you. Uh, you guys like had, uh, you had a separate so list charged. of five teams. There was no like overlap at all. So definitely kudos. Um, you know, uh, but now, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. It is time for the SSPPs, uh, our wonderful award ceremony. This is the mid-season awards. So basically, we're going to have a mid-level of, uh, you know, awards to display. We are going to, over the next couple of weeks, those of us at the Social Sports Fed Podcast, we're going to kind of brainstorm some even more uh, categories, and we'll do, uh, you know, do some more there we'll actually kind of come up with a lot of different ones uh so you know be prepared uh be energized but uh with this uh we had six categories that we talked about on tuesday in our inaugural uh twitch cast uh sports pad podcast and those categories were uh the rookie of the year our disappointment of the year our underdog award, which, you know, the underdog award is someone that we didn't really draft in fantasy, but man, are they on our teams now, or we wish we had them. Uh, the James Robinson award, basically, it, you know, again, kind of like the underdog award, but more than likely, we just will throw them away like the Jacksonville Jaguars did. Uh, then we will have our coach of the year and then our holla at your boy, uh, which is like our MVP, but he brought our dubs. Uh, the SSPP awards are brought to you by the wonderful people at fanatics.com. Uh, please click the link in our, our bio. Uh, it is definitely gearing up for the holiday season. So go ahead and get the football fan in your life, uh, a new jersey or something you know that they can show their fandom to and fan, uh, fanatics.com doesn't just have football they have basically every fandom that you can have for uh in sports and in sports entertainment with wwe all right so uh with those that, belts look really amazing 
Yeah, they do. Oh, man, I cannot wait to get one of those belts uh, one Closest day. Closest thing the Browns will ever get to a championship belt. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Uh, well, I was going to say, speaking of the Browns, but that's the next one. Uh, but we start off with our Rookie of the Year. This one was definitely one of the hardest for us to come up with some nominees for because, you know, there were, you know, four that just easily bounce off the top of our head, you know, to come up with a fifth one. But the nominees for Rookie of the Year. C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans, Dalton Kincaid of the Buffalo Bills, Puka Nakoa of the Los Angeles Rams, and Jordan Addison of the Minnesota Vikings. You know, each one of these three players have played admirably. You know, C.J. Stroud has basically proven all of us here at the Social Sports Fan Podcast wrong um uh, you know because we definitely poo-pooed him in the beginning uh you know i for one definitely was like yeah the kid does not have look in his eyes but he definitely grew up and be a man uh during this uh mid-season uh dalton kincaid you know he definitely uh has performed to a level that buffalo expected when buffalo drafted him uh and filled in admirably for dawson knox as dawson knox got injured uh, Puka Nakoa filled in great for Cooper Cup when Cup was away. And even when Cooper Cup came back, he's like, yes, I am a wide receiver 1A in Los Angeles. And Jordan Addison had huge uh, shoes to fill as he was stepping in for the arguably great uh, greatest receiver in the NFL this uh, season in Justin Jefferson. And he has performed yeoman's work uh, in Minnesota, almost making him go, Justin Jeffer, who? All right. So with that, our Rookie of the Year winner is C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans. All right. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts uh, on uh, C.J. Stroud winning the Rookie of the Year? We'll go ahead and we'll start with Alex, then Jamie, then Ben. When we all looked at C.J. Stroud in college, we thought he would never pan out in the NFL because usually Ohio State quarterbacks don't do that. Ohio State quarterbacks struggle to get going in the NFL. It's odd. It's weird. We all know that. And with the Texans' offense being what it was with Deshaun Watson without him and him having no receiving core and a lack of on the line, C.J. Stroud has blown me out of the water, out the gates in week one, and I have no doubt that he will win Office look at the other year, and even MVP later down the line if he still produces well. And the Texans be like, hey, this is our guy. Build around him and keep him and make him 10 times better than now. And if D'Amico Lyons gets the head coaching job permanently, this team is going oh, to yes. have a bright future ahead of them. Yeah, he won the uh, he got the job permanently. Uh, like, uh, the only interim head coach we got right now is uh, Antonio Pierce and uh, uh, the Raiders, so. The Raiders? The Raiders. Yeah, so, uh, all right. Uh, Jamie, uh, what uh, what are your thoughts on um, C.J. Stroud as Rookie of the Year? So, I'm, I'm a little biased. I'm a little biased. I'm an Ohio State fan. So, I, I, feel, I feel like I see more of C.J. Stroud than most people. I thought out of all of the Ohio State quarterbacks, he had the best chance to be better. Uh, in the NFL level. With that being said, I did not like the situation he was going into with the Houston Texans. I thought this year was just going to be a learning year for him, right? See what what would happen in year two. But, man, oh, man, I was proven wrong. The with, Even with a limited uh, talent around him, he is making them seem like they're a lot better than what they really are. So, all... All, all applause to CJ Stroud. Absolutely. Could you imagine, like, if the Texans, uh, like, if Andre Johnson in his prime was playing with CJ Stroud? Could you imagine the Texans team? Can you imagine that that this would be the conversation we were we would be having, like, at no. the beginning of the year, like Absolutely CJ Stroud not. and like, Andre Johnson yeah. in comparison? 
Like honestly, like I thought I was gonna we were gonna be talking about uh the Texans still as like a top five uh draft pick team. You know, but you know, yeah. definitely you know, definitely not playoffs. You know, uh and Ben. Playoffs. But, um, <laughs> so Ben, uh, what um what do you uh have to say for uh CJ Stroud as our rookie of the year at the midseason point? I agree with everything but the Iowa State thing. I, I didn't think he was gonna pan out at all. Because he's a Ohio State product quarterback, and they never pan out. But so far, I'm being proven wrong. But he's doing great. I mean, I, d- so, I did. Uh, I did say that he had the best chance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, out of every quarterback that got drafted, I mean, I feel like he's the only one really that had the best chance. All right. So uh, basically, just like a lot of teams in the NFL, like uh, showed a lot of promise in the beginning, and then a whole bunch of disappointments have happened. Uh, we uh, definitely outlined five, uh, five players and or teams uh, in the NFL this uh, mid at the midseason mark that were absolutely dreadful. That we had high hopes for. Either from their team, their fan bases, or just, you know, from the pundits. And they've absolutely done nothing but disappoint us like, uh, well, like this joke, apparently. So, um, uh, so uh, going through our nominees... For disappointment of the year at the midseason mark, uh, we have the New England Patriots with their absolute dreadful uh, Bill Belichick-led team uh, gameplay. Uh, we have Josh Allen uh, of the Buffalo Bills absolutely not showing us that MVP Josh Allen uh, play. Daniel Jones of the New York Giants showing us that $40 million is not enough to cover up that stink. The Chicago Bears absolutely had a chance with Aaron Rodgers leaving the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings just not seeming lucky enough that they could have actually had made a run for the uh, NFC North crown. But like all the names here, they let us down. And then finally, the Los Angeles, uh, oh, not Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Oakland, uh, whatever they are, wherever they are, they are the Raiders, and they are disappointing us. You know, they are a team so bad that not even Calvin Ridley would bet on them. Uh, So, you know, with that, uh, our collective winner of the Disappointment of the Year which is probably the only award that these guys will actually win all year. The award goes to Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. Uh, Danny Derps, uh, as uh, Cobra lovingly uh, says about him, uh, you know, $40 million. Uh, I mean, yes, the Giants have done really nothing to build around him. Uh, Saquon Barkley, you know, he stayed begrudgingly for an extra million dollars. But, you know, to be, you know, I mean, they brought in Darren Waller, but that's it. You know, this offense is just, you know, stank. Yeah, they are, they are rotten fish in a in a broke freezer at Walmart. So, uh, Alex, Jamie, Ben, what do you have to say about Daniel Jones, our disappointment of the year at the midseason mark? Do me go first? Go ahead. Entering the season, we all thought, Bringing Brian Dable from the Buffalo Bills to do something with Daniel Jones on offense, knowing what he did with the Buffalo Bills. But right now, it looks like Brian Dable wasn't the best offensive head coach, knowing how big of an offensive mind he was with Buffalo. And Seiko Barkley is probably going to leave after his contract's over anyways, and Daniel Jones is a waste of space right now. And 
I guarantee you right now in the draft, Drake May or Mayo Pennix Jr. is going to go number four overall or number three overall to the Giants, and they're going to eat that cap for getting rid of Daniel Jones because there's no reason to keep him there with the offense he's in and bad coaching that he's in as of right now. Well, I mean, Dable, Dable did really well with Daniel Jones last year. Uh, so we kind of expected more of the same. Um, but it's just absolutely just, you know, like either Dable is not coaching as well or, you know, just, you know, whatever's going on there is just not working. Uh, so, uh, Jamie or Ben, uh, I mean, with this appointment kind of like, you know, it just screams in itself. Is there anything to add, uh, you guys? Well, Daniel Jones' performance is more disappointing than an unprotected bowel movement. Wait, wait, there are protected bowel movements? I mean, if you don't cover your ass before you take a shit, yeah, you make shit yourself. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So basically, so, Danny, like uh, Danny, Danny Jones is just shitting yourself. It's, it's bad. I mean, he's just out. He's outperforming. He's outperforming uh, Russell. Russell right now. What was it? That what was his name? Like the long forgotten Russell. What was his first Marcus. name? Marcus. Yeah, that guy. He's outperforming him right now. He's being shitty as fuck. Ah. <laughs> oh man. Daniel Jones, the, you sting so bad that not even the Grinch can root for you, and he likes everything that everyone hates. And but, and and all of that, MVP goes out to Daniel Jones' agent Andrew Kessler for swindling the entire Giants franchise and thinking that you were any good. Yep, absolute thief in the night, man. Uh, <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, kind well, of. I almost think he had Elias as his uh, free as his agent. Good lord. Jesus. But yeah, kind of uh, just like a Josh Allen uh, quarterback season. Uh, we are kind of uh, doing some roller coastering right now. Uh, we go from the disappointments to our underdog. As I mentioned uh, before, we you know listed with these. These guys on this list were guys that you probably did not draft. You probably did not hear of um, in a way. And they have done nothing more than make your fantasy teams uh, better from the waiver wire or made your opponents better. You're like, damn, I wish I drafted them. So uh, for our underdog at the midseason mark, here are your nominees. Puka Nakoa of the Los Angeles Rams. Josh Dobbs, then of the Arizona Cardinals at the beginning of the year, now with the Minnesota Vikings. Nico Collins of the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans. And the Browns defense of, obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Steelers? he's down uh yinzer all right so um (laughs) so our winner of the underdog of the year uh at the mid-season point award is cj stroud of the houston texans again you know, nobody really expected the Texans to really do anything. And CJ Stroud has done nothing but ball out. He balls out like an uh, 80 year old man in shorty shorts at the pool. Just, yep, that's in your head now. <laughs> All right, so uh, Alex, Jamie, Ben, uh, basically, uh, do you guys have anything to add about uh, your thoughts on uh, our underdog uh, that we haven't mentioned in the rookie of the year part? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we're definitely stroking CJ Stroud's junk right now. Yeah, he's the new Lawrence. He's a new Trevor Lawrence now. Well, oh, I mean, oh, so you're, so you're going to stand for him now? No. no. Your teeth don't call, wonder why? Smart. You got out of bed at all? <laughs> I mean, all in all, for quarterback uh, ratings, 
he is averaging 23.1 points per game for fantasy. That is, in, in the fantasy world, that's what we call a solid floor. Meaning, at his, at his worst day, he's still going to get you 23 points. On his best day, he could get you about 40, 41 to 42. That is stud. That is, that is easy. I was upset fantasy. when Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards currently right on my bench with 20 points. Well, that sounds like you need to fix your bench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the, the little Tevin's cry. <laughs> now, hate to cut you guys off on the underdog, but Ben kind of led to a wonderful tangent uh, with this uh, going into the next category. So this next category that we have the talk about is called the James Robinson Award. Uh, if everybody remembers James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was at one point the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Uh, he was somebody that went undrafted in fantasy, and he was picked up and would produce 15 to 18 points weekly for, you know, his fantasy owners that uh, picked him up off the waiver wire. Picked him up off like a couch on the side of the road. You brought him out. You you picked him up. You took him home. You scrubbed off the stains. You breeze the hell out of it and basically made him your starter week in and week it's out. Couch. That couch your dog humped. Yeah, it was that. It was the. It was the couch that your dog just kept on peeing on, and then the next season, the Jacksonville Jaguars wound up picking up a new couch and putting him back on the curb, just like Oof. what one of these players will probably be done to these, you know, with their teams. And the nominees. For the James Robinson Award are Josh Dobbs of the Minnesota Vikings, Sam Howell of the Washington Reds Commanders, <laughs> uh, Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Aints, Tank Dell of the Houston Texans, and C.J. Stroud. Of the Houston Texans. And our winner of the James Robinson Award, Josh Dobbs of the Minnesota Vikings. You know, uh, definitely Josh Dobbs right now has been passed around like a, like a joint at the Snoop Dogg concert. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals had him be their week one starter. And even before they traded him to Minnesota, who desperately needed a quarterback um, with the injury to Kirk Cousins, you know, like he got benched for Clayton Toon. Like that just, my God, you know, like went from lowest of the lows. Now he's riding some highs. Uh, but yes, let when Cousins comes back or probably at the end of the season, Josh Dobbs will probably be bumped to the curb. The biggest thing that probably is going to cause him not to be a starter is him going to space. Yep. Probably. Yeah, but hey, you know, uh, you know NASA, uh, I mean, if, you know, I guess, you know, hey, uh, Houston one in a lifetime him as a backup, I guess. I'm not passing that opportunity up. I'd pass up going, being a starter in the NFL to be, to be in space. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I mean, like, seriously. Oh, you know, starter at the NFL or astronaut? I'm sorry. My bucket list says astronaut. Astronaut. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> who's who's that nurse Earth, can't play football? Earth, what? Yep, exactly. absolutely. I mean, he can be a backup and then come back and play. I mean, you know, hey, whatever works, you know, I mean, I would still, you know, go, go into space and, uh, you know, like, hey, watch Deion Sanders, uh, like with that, like, oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, prime time. I went out to space and then went and played in the Super Bowl. What you doing? 
I mean, has, has there ever been a rocket scientist play in the NFL? I don't think so. So I mean, the closest thing we had was uh, we had a certain man named Ryan Fitzpatrick. He went to Harvard. You know, but that was pretty much you know <laughs> the only thing we had going on. And then you know, I guess you know, I guess you can say closest thing we have to a nerd in the NFL otherwise is Phil Sims. Tebow. Yeah, Tebow, Tim, really Tebow was a virgin, not a not a nerd. You know, nerds we can at least get left. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. So basically uh enough Tebow bashing. We'll actually go ahead and yeah, cause there's no tie-in on this one. But uh Did I get to vote on it? What? On on this tie. I don't I, I don't know if that was when I stepped away, so maybe I can be the deciding factor. Oh no, we um you know for this um for this next category yeah, wasn't you know basically we uh kind of broke the tie a little bit uh with coach of the year. Um so uh the gentlemen on this list uh they may you know may have been with established teams uh they may they orchestrated some turnarounds. They dealt with some woes that brought their you know and still brought their teams to winning ways. Uh, these guys definitely their teams are fighting for them, their teams are not giving up, never surrendering. And these are definitely teams that show up and show out Sunday, Monday, every day. Your nominees for coach of the year Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins. D'Amico Ryans of the Houston Texans, Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions, and finally, Kevin O'Connell of the Minnesota Vikings. These five gentlemen have exemplified leadership off the field, providing an example for their players, you know, a wonderful teacher for players, and have had success on the football field their teams, and themselves. Our winner of Coach of the Year at the midseason point is D'Amico Ryans of the Houston Texans. Absolutely. Nobody expected anything from this Texans squad. And he came in, uh, I believe he was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers last year. Correct. Yeah, all right, cool. I was like, all right, you know, I forgot off the top of my head. But, yeah, he came uh, came from, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan team, and basically the Texans, who was absolute shit, uh, you know, and had the number two pick and the number as well, I think, and basically has gotten wonderful production from uh, C.J. Stroud, who multiple award winner uh, for the SSPPs, and uh, I think is Will Robinson. The other, uh, you know, the other uh, draft pick, the guy they picked up on defense. But yeah, they definitely have done stellar with their team. Uh, and Competing, you know, definitely giving the Jacksonville Jaguars the sweats uh, in terms of their uh, AFC South, uh, you know, supremacy. Anything else you guys have to add on uh, Coach of the Year? I do have an interesting point. Make about the big O-I-N. I could never imagine that if you told me a defensive coordinator was going to lead a team that has head coaching problems for the past 10 to 15 years, in the Texans, I would have called you crazy at the beginning of the year if you told me that. Because it's insane to think that DCs can lead teams to winning records and potentially future plans of showing out. Because like we've seen with New England coaches, none of them under Belichick have done anything effectively in the NFL. And a Kyle Shanahan defensive coordinator that led a dominant DC, uh, dominant defense to the Super Bowl, 
is leading a rookie quarterback to possibly win rookie of the year is out of this world and doesn't happen very often. So I commend Demico Ryan for doing what he's doing right now in Houston. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, I mean, defensive coordinators, you know, do do a good job. I mean, you know, the best defensive coordinator, you know, uh, being head coach is Bill Belichick. He was a defensive coordinator in Cleveland uh, and, you know, Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator for the Giants when they beat the Bills. Uh, so, you know, uh, definitely uh, defensive coordinators are absolutely successful, especially in this offensive run league. Um, but, uh, you know, basically before we go to um, the holla at your boy, does anybody have anything else to add for uh, D'Amico Ryan? I was going to, I was just looking at the staff that he has uh, compiled. And it's one of the underlying things uh, on there is, uh, D'Amico Ryan's actually uh, linked up with Wade Phillips, who gave him some connections on uh, on some uh, coaching stats on how to develop an offense. And with that, uh, that's how he ended up getting uh, Gerard Johnson, who is the current uh, uh, quarterback coach for the Texans. And Gerard Johnson is a key part to allowing D'Amico Ryans come in and just handle business the way that a head coach should. So Wait, kudos Phillips, to you Ryan, son of a so, bitch. Kudos <laughs> to him to being the smart guy and reaching out to some veterans and to, who knew what they were doing. I mean, God, man, Wade Phillips, man, like not going to lie. If only the son of a bitch would have fucking produced in Buffalo. I swear to God, like after he took over for Marv Levy, uh, like honestly, yeah, with the way he has helped the teams that he has been on, uh, I mean, he was, you know, uh, he was in Buffalo, uh, for the Bills. He even became the head coach in Buffalo. Then it's like, I think he went, he was a head coach in Dallas at one point, too. Yeah, yeah, the he, went to, went to, he went to Dallas, uh, he went to Dallas, he won a Super Bowl with uh, Denver when, um, uh, when Peyton was there, um, you know, then he went to, uh, then he went to LA when, um, uh, Sean McVay started. Um, and like now he's not really doing anything in the league. Uh, did he go to, I, I think so, he went to the XF or uh, not the XFL or the USFL. Yep. He went to one of those. He went to the XFL, to, I'm pretty sure. Yep. The Houston Roughnecks. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, again, I, I mean, again, you know, definitely, yeah, he, he's definitely, he's been coaching forever. You know, he actually has a better, like, almost if you look at it, he's got a better, like, coaching tree family than fucking uh, Bill Belichick does. So, um, definitely kudos there. Um, yep. You know, and you know and, what? You know what? I'm going to give uh, Wade Phillips uh, one of these. Holla at your boy. There you go. Yeah, I mean, as much as I would have loved to have seen, you know, him do that for Buffalo, but hey, he's won some uh, Super Bowls elsewhere. Um, But yes, going on, holla at you, boy. This isn't necessarily our MVP of the league. This is basically, this is our holla at you, boy. This is the guy that we had on our fantasy team that got us W's. This is the guy that basically brought the swag gave it to us and basically let us go like, yeah, this is our guy and we just going to give it to you. So, uh, you know, these are also just, you know, generated nominees, you know, from each of us as well as, you know, our Twitch uh, chat. Uh, so our nominees for Holla at your boy of the season at the midseason mark is Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. Raheem Mostert of the Miami Dolphins. Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. Tyree Kill of the Miami Dolphins. And Tua Tugavailoa. Did I actually get his name right finally for once? Sound like it. Right away. Uh, you know, uh, just shameful. Shameful. You know, how some of these guys were picked up late. 
some weren't even looked at, laughed at, you know. But these guys, and some I'll let just you leave boy. you crying. Yep, definitely. They left you crying like Giselle F. Brady crying. Oh, uh, oh. our winner, our holla ass ya boy. He's a freak. He's a fast He's a man. Freak. He's a bad man. He's a cheetah. He is Tyreek Hill of the Miami Dolphins. Week in, week out. He was in fuego. You cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts on our holla at your boy, Alex, then Jamie, then Ben? With Tyreek Hill... I had a odd feeling he would leave Casey at some point because Casey was kind of getting away from using him and kind of like making him vanish into existence in Kansas City. And Miami was not a team came to mind for me. Because at the time I thought Miami had a great offense, they had a good receiving core, and I didn't think Tiger was gonna fit in there. When they got Jalen Waddle and they got um the new tight end, um I forgot his name. I really thought Tyreek was going to be a good fit there. And as of right now, he's really, really blowing me away. And Jalen Waddle is not really being – he's being used a lot, but it's kind of a split thing with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. But two is kind of just like chucking – oh, Tyreek's down there somewhere. Huh. And Tyreek catches everything, and he's just off the walls incredible. And that's, I think Tyreek's going to win almost for the other year. For sure. I mean, it's it's up there. And if Tua plays like he did in the in this season, they can make it a semi-deep playoff run. Definitely agreeable. Uh, Jamie. So, one thing that I like about Tyreek Hill is everyone uses the term, they get these guys got dogs in them. Man, Tyreek Hill, he, there's not a dog in that man. There, there's a full-blown wolf in that man. There's a cheetah in that man. He he's got he's got swag beyond belief. Even even that when they were saying he, when the Dolphins were coming up against the Chiefs, he openly was like, "Hey, if given the opportunity, they're going to get that work." And that that's that's coming from somebody that played for the team. Obviously, there was a little revenge narrative, but the thing that makes him that that wolf is he he talks the talk and walks the walk. That this man puts comes in puts in the work and is contagious, and you can see it with the development of Jalen Waddle. You can see it with the running backs. Um, A-Chain spent off-season uh, workouts with Tyreek Hill, and I think that has a lot to do with how high A-Chain came through. But uh, kudos to Tyreek being a leader and just being being an absolute monster on and off the field. And Ben, anything to add? Yeah, so to add on to about the Chiefs not using them, so he was like a flash in a pan type of player for the Chiefs, and he wasn't utilized correctly. Now, going to Miami, I, I thought in the beginning that was kind of a bad move on his part because I wasn't a believer in Tua yet because he didn't show anything, and I didn't think the Dolphins were going to utilize him properly. But it's proven me wrong. Also, I do like how he's reached out to the community um, he's recently went out to the community after a football game where he threw the ball in the stands after scoring a touchdown. Gave it, he was trying to give it to his mom, but an older, another gentleman called it and realized, oh, oh, sorry, and gave it to his mom. Well, a few weeks later, he went to the restaurant where this gentleman was eating and surprised him and had him sign. He signed autographs on a football and some jerseys, took pictures with his family and stuff. It was pretty cool. Stand-up guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Only when he's winning. Yeah, only when he's not playing our team. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, so ladies and gentlemen, that was our SSPPs. Uh, thank you guys again for a wonderful, successful half season. Uh, we will absolutely continue to grow and continue to get things right for you guys. Um, yeah, and with us here at the Social Sports Fat Podcast, we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday at seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time as we go through our 
week uh weekly reactions and uh hype train as well as utilize our bold predictions uh for the upcoming week uh with that uh this has been another wonderful social sports bad podcast uh, i'm your host ricky as always thank you jamie and alex for coming on and being wonderful guests and helping us out uh in determining the the uh, mid-season sspp awards and with that we wish you all our wonderful listeners and viewers a good night good week always good season good season good season